0: As we come aside from the world and focus upon your word, we pray that you would clearly speak to each of us individually. Impress our hearts for the things that impress your heart. Help us ignore those things which are irrelevant to you and focus and keep the main thing the main thing. And all of God's people said, Amen. I'd like you to take your outlines out, please, if you have them as you came. If you're visiting to New Hope and it's the first time you're here, we welcome you here. I want to encourage you, you might need an outline because I speak pretty quick. <laughs> We're gonna start a new series called Your Life Counts. And today I'm gonna to talk about making a difference with your life. And as I speak with you, some of you are in your work environment, some of you are in a small group environment, some of you one-on-one. Deep within each of your hearts, I a desire to make a difference with your life. And you know why you have that? Because God put it there. God designed you to make a difference with your life. Not just to sit back, consume resources, take up space, live, retire, and die. He didn't do that. God intends you to make an impact with your life. And my job as a pastor is to help members of the body of Christ get on mission with what God's mission is. Because God has a mission. God has a mission before he even created the world. And he wants us to get with the plan. He wants you to use your life to make the world a better place when you leave terra firma than when you arrived here in other words to make your life count everyone sitting here from the youngest to the oldest so how do you make your life count now i want to take go back straight to the words of jesus but in a nutshell the way you make your life count is by serving others You may want to write that down sometime. In fact, these notes, I haven't made them as explicit as I normally do. I want you to do a bit more work because that way you'll own your own notes. You serve God. People say, I want to serve God. But I'm not so sure about serving others. Well, can I just straighten that perception up straight away? You cannot serve God without serving others. No one has ever improved the world through selfishness. Through self-centeredness, through shallow, superficial, sanctimonious type living. The me first life. Nobody has ever improved the world living like that. That's why Jesus said, if you want to be great, if you want to be great, what have you got to do? You've got to serve and become a... You must become, uh, if you want to be great, let me quote exactly here from there. Whoever wants to be great among you must become your servant. I'm going to shift over here, so I'm not in your way. Matthew 20 verse um, 26. Now today we're going to begin a series that I've been waiting to share for a long time. And it's Jesus' plan. People say, well, what is God up to in this world? Well, I'm going to try and summarize this for you as we go through these next few weeks. But this is the Jesus plan for reaching the least and the lost of this world. We're going to learn about that over the coming weeks. Now in this church, we've used just an acronym. And we've put it together under the word PEACE, P-E-A-C-E. But before defining all of those points, which I'll do more in detail next week so you get a bit more of a grip on that one, there's a simple definition, it's this, it is ordinary people, notice the phrases, there's four of them, ordinary people, so notice, this is not a plan for superstar Christians, this is ordinary people, not the super talented, to make a difference with our lives. Now, empowered by God, that means anytime time God tells us to do something, he always gives you two things, the ability and the power to do it. God doesn't tell you to do something and then doesn't give you the ability or the power. He does both. He's amazing. Then it says, making a difference together. Notice this is not on your own. As we've learned, many of us in our lives, it is better together. Not by yourself. Better together. I mean, wherever they are. Now, some of you have gotten your mind over—just over, gotten your mind—that the peace plan is about getting on a plane and going overseas. Well, that might be part of it, but it might not. Actually, there are three parts to a peace plan, and you may want to write these out the side. Number one, there's personal peace. That involves your personal ministry to people in your life. You don't have to go overseas to help somebody, right? You can probably do that right next door, if you know what's going on. If you even know what their name are, uh, their names are. Secondly, so there's personal peace, and then there's local peace. Local peace. And this is your small group's ministry to others here in the local area. And then the third part of peace is global peace. So it moves outwards. Global Peace is our, ministry, our church's ministry to the world. Now, the peace plan is not about location, it's about dedication. It's not about crossing the sea, but it is about seeing the cross. Never lose focus of the cross. Christ came to reconcile men to God. It's about treating the way people Jesus treated to people. So today, I want to just touch base on the foundation of the peace plan. I want to talk about three aspects of it. Number one is the basis, or why? What are the reasons for doing this plan, for acting on the plan? See, many people become Christians, and they start to grow in their faith, they start to minister in their faith, they start to share their faith, and then thinking, well, what else? How can I plug into a bigger picture? So today, I want, with that type of mindset, I want you to look at this and think about the basis which are the reasons for making a difference with your life. Second one, we're going to talk about very briefly, are the barriers which which will typically try and stop you. The concerns that you would have, you will have these concerns, or the attitudes that could prevent you from making a difference, and thirdly and finally, the benefits or the rewards that God promises to those who give their lives to serving his purposes by serving other people. So, let's kick off. Why are we doing the peace plan? What's the basis? Why are we creating the peace plan? we're actually not, we're just discovering. This is really Jesus' plan. That's what we're doing. We're not creating anything. We're actually, this is is Jesus' plan. So firstly, why are we getting about this? Number one, and you may want to write this in too, that God commands us to care. And here's the verse that says that. You obey the law of Christ when you offer each other a helping hand. So hold on. If you want to obey the law of Christ, how do I do that? I help others. You offer a helping hand. What is the law of Christ? Actually, you can go back and you can see this in Matthew 22, verse 37. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. But it's so important in the heart of God that whole concept is repeated ten times. Not about you, but I had a mother who used to use this phrase: "Have have I not told you before?" And the answer was yes. Well, the implication, the next thing was coming was, "Why haven't you done it?" Did you ever have a mother like that? <laughs> I did. Ten times, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbour. As yourself, this is an underline. This is a signature issue. It is the prime issue, and one of the bases of why the Church of God exists. The Great Commandment, the Great Commission. It's so important. Now, one day, we're going to stand before the Father, and I would hate for it to be said of anybody sitting here or listening to this. Which part of love your neighbor did you not understand? See, the Pharisees tried to wiggle out from that. Well, who is my neighbor? They got technical. Tell me exactly who my neighbor is. Remember? They tried to kind of sidestep that. That's uncomfortable. So the first reason we're doing this is God commands us to care. Secondly, to become like Jesus. Jesus set the example. I love this. Please, please. Look at this verse carefully. I came not to be served, but to serve others. This is God in the flesh. Then he said, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I believe God by his spirit is bringing a second reformation to the church. In the first reformation, we rediscovered what we believe. Salvation by grace and grace alone. Beliefs was a basic emphasis of the first reformation. The second reformation God is bringing to his church all around the world right now is, okay, there's beliefs, but they need to translate into behaviours and to change lives and to change attitudes and to change actions change thinking i came not to be served christianity is not about superstars anything that even smacks of superstarism i've just made up a new word it's smelly because this is what jesus said i didn't come to be served you do this you do that no no but i came to serve and by the way the example i led you follow That's what he said, John 13, 15. So you can't be like Jesus without learning to care about others and to share and serve others. Simple but very profound. Thirdly, why we're doing this is to really learn to love. You see, God is love and he wants us to learn to become more like him in his character. You become like him when you're more loving. Now, careful here. Love is a choice, not a feeling. I want to redefine that. Young people, write that down. It'll serve you well for when you get married. It'll serve you well when you have babies. Love is a choice, not a feeling. It is something you do. Now, many of you mums here, Remember the days when you got up in the middle of the night when you were shattered but you got up anyway to care for a sick child because you felt like it, right? (laughs) No. None of you did that but you did do it because you loved that child and you were showing the expression of that child uh, love to that child. You choose the people you love So far, everybody's with me. Second part. And you choose to stop loving people. If you build a marriage on feelings, your marriage will fall apart as soon as the feelings go away because feelings don't last. But love is a commitment. It's a choice to say, I'm going to make... Your needs, my needs, and I'm going to take care of your needs. So, notice this next verse. Our love should not be just words and talk. It's cheap. But it must be true love that shows itself in action. No good jabbering, chit-chatting. I'm not showing the action here. Love is something you do. And the reason there's so much suffering in this world is not only because of evil, but because good people stand by and do diddly-squat about it. Nothing about it. They don't nail their callous to the mast and do what they know they should do. The Bible says you must be compassionate. Notice the very emphatic imperative here. You must be compassionate, just as your father is compassionate. You want to be like Jesus? Be compassionate. Notice this is his must. Must is not optional. Less of me, more of him. If that's the case, there'll be more compassion and less aggravation. Now, it's one of the great lessons in life. It's not like, well, if you get around to it, you know, after you've had a successful career, or after you would funded your portfolio or feathered your own nest, After you've retired, well, you might consider then being compassionate. Now I've sorted my own act out. Folks, if you don't learn to be compassionate in your life, you have wasted your life. Because God did not put you on earth just to make a stack of dough. He put you on earth to do what he tells you to do to become like Christ, and that is to learn to love. And one of the main reasons we're focusing on the peace plan is I want to counteract the inevitable that happens to all churches. And studies have shown that over time, churches become inevitably inwardly focused. And they stop reaching out. And they're thinking about our comfort and our building And they become self centered and then they stop caring about the rest of the world. And their attitude then is well, you can die and fry while we go in the sky. It's crazy. Us four and no more. They don't really care. And we laugh. But the truth is that the church that doesn't want to reach out, the church that doesn't want to care about the people in the world, doesn't want to grow, is saying to the rest of the world, you can go to hell. That's what they're saying. We're all in God's family and tough luck for the rest of you. Now think about the people here at this school. Thousands of people. People that are connected to this school. This is going to be one of our signature efforts. God says, I want you to learn to really love. And the fourth reason why we're doing this is because we have been so blessed. So blessed. Few places in the world have been blessed like New Zealand. Now, God, let me clear this one up too. God does not bless you so you can be a fat cat. He doesn't do that. Look what the scripture says, Genesis 12 too. I will bless you and you will be a blessing to others. We are blessed to be a blessing. The more God blesses you, the more he expects you to help others. Very sobering scripture. Even Bill Gates buys this one, lock, stock and smoke and barrel. And he's doing something about it. Much is required from those to whom much is given, for their responsibility is greater. Let me peg us again. If I was to shoot a dart, if pastors are allowed to play that, we do, on a dartboard. remember friends we are in the top 1% of the world, all of us, even those of us with no jobs. So you don't have to go overseas to get involved in the peace plan, coming back to that. There are plenty of needs close by, friends that you and I know that we can't ignore. The Bible says one day you and I will be held accountable with what did you do with what you were given? Were you using the blessings you were given to bless other people or did you just feather your own nest, extend the portfolio? So why don't we do something about it? Why don't we make a difference with our life? Why don't we normally reach out to others? Well, there are a number of barriers that keep us from doing that. And I can sum them all up in one word, and it's this, fear. Fear is what keeps us from making a difference. Fear is a crippling emotion. It can be your greatest enemy. It's a self-imposed emotional prison and it robs you of the joy that God intended you to have. Now, most of us miss out so much of what God has planned for our lives simply because we are scared. To me, hell would be if God showed me what I could have done in this life, the few years that he gives me, But I had missed out on because I was A selfish or B a wimp. Chicken. God grant us courage. Four common fears that people have about Jesus' plan for your life, for your ministry. Four common fears. Remember, God wants to get members of his family in on the mission. No people sitting in the stands. Get the boots on and get into the game. Members to missionaries. This is what we're doing in the peace plan. We're going to help you learn how to do personal peace with people in your life. And we're going to do local peace together. We're going to do, over time, maybe even global peace, if God leads you to do that. But we're going to take it step by step. And we're going to explain the parts of the journey. Now, some of you, if you're in a small group, I've written a bunch of, where are they? Over here, somewhere. Here, right in front of me. Particular studies which are going to take this, each of the next seven weeks, and help you follow through and apply what we've learned today. These are small group studies, and i write in each of them for the next seven weeks, which will help you engage. then we'll have some instructions and and some suggestions for small group activities. I'm going to share seven weekend messages. And if you're a host of a small group, you want to pick one of these up, you can come and pick them up off Martin after the service today. If you're not in a small group, you will not get this any other way. You will not get to engage any other way. So I would highly encourage you, on the back of your communication card that Elliot mentioned, write small group. If you're not in a small group, for the next seven weeks, just sign up for a small group. I'm not asking for the rest of your life, but I am suggesting the next seven weeks will pay huge dividends to help you get from where you are to God using life and making it count. Now, look at the next verse on your outline. This is an interesting verse as we head down this section. The person who continues to study God's perfect teachings will be blessed. I want you to circle study and I want you to circle blessed. People like that don't merely listen and forget. They actually do, circle do, what God's teaching says. Now that's what this series is gonna be about. That's what we're gonna do for the next six or seven weeks. We're gonna study what God says about making a difference with our lives. Not just getting up, going to work, coming home, having TV, have a snooze, get up, go to work, you know, around that cyclical thing all the time. But making a meaningful difference. Then we're gonna do, in some very simple baby steps, what we have been learning. Because in this church, we always want to be doers of God's word, not just hearers. Because if we're only hearers, the Bible says, shockingly we deceive ourselves and no person in the right mind wants to deceive themselves they want to apply God's word then when we study the word of God you do it and God says when you do it you'll be blessed and I want your life to be blessed I want your ministry to be blessed because God has a ministry for each one of you because he's given the heart and ability and personality and experiences that he wants you to use to enrich and build up his bride that's what he wants you to do. Here's the second fear. I don't have the time. I'm in uni. i got a job. I've got a deal to close. I've got kids at home. I'm afraid I just don't have time to be in a small group, for example. My advice is that you test God's promise on that one, if that's you. Look at this in Matthew 6.33. God will give you all you need from day to day, including the time that you need if you live for him and this is an and conjunction here and you make the kingdom of god your primary concern primary not secondary not third not fifth not tenth primary god's being about primary if he's lord it is primary concern truth is every one of us here has 168 hours a week every single one of us And here's the real second truth. You and I make time for the things that are most important. What matters most? What it is, it's a matter of knowing what to let go of, setting priorities and making selections. Third common fear. Sometimes when these sort of things come up, oh, that could have financial implications. Maybe, what say I'm challenged to go on a trip somewhere? Well, in the first place, there are a thousand ways to serve locally without spending a dime. Personal peace and local peace. (laughs) You don't have to go anywhere. spend anything. And maybe you can't afford a trip if that ever came up. But guess what? God can. God's not poor. Have you ever considered praying about some of these ideas that God's put in your mind and your heart? Now if it's something that God wants to do, I found he provides the resources to do it. Lord, what God's promised. In 2 Corinthians 9, God is able to make it up to you by giving you everything you need and more, so that there will be not only enough for your own needs, but plenty left over to give joyfully to others. Now a fourth common barrier for moving forward in ministry is that I don't have any abilities. Or at least I don't have the right ones. Let me get this straight. God knows everything, right? He knows the problems of the world, right? Do you think he delivered you to terra firma without giving you any ability to make this thing move forward? In fact, the Bible says God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help one another. Not to just sit on them yourself. In, in class 301, we talk about this in our church. God has shaped you to serve him. And he wants you to use the gifts that he's given you, not the ones he hasn't. The ones he has given you. Notice this, and he promises to give you any abilities you need. We're not saying, says Second Corinthians 3.5, that we can do this work ourselves. But it is God who makes us able to do all that we need to do. God will not hold you accountable for gifts that you don't have. He will hold you accountable for gifts that you do have and you don't use. Many of you, for example, have already been involved in at least one of the areas of our missions projects. Breakfast Club in Glen Innes, Samaritan's Purse, Christmas Shoeboxes, the Philippines, Point View Cleanup, Point View Gala, Glen Innes School Renovations. And some of you are thinking, they were good. I'm excited for our church, but my circumstances really make it difficult for me to get more involved. Or it's difficult for me to get out of the house. I've got preschoolers. I've got older people. I'm elderly now. Or I'm ill. Well, God understands that, and so does everybody else. What matters here, friend, is your heart and your commitment. Notice this here, 2 Corinthians 8. Your heart's been in the right place all along. You've got what it takes to finish it up, so go to it. Once the commitment is clear, you do what you can, not what you can't. So do what you can. But let me say this, point this out. Circumstances can be changed many times. And sometimes you must take a step of faith in spite of circumstances. Remember this, this is a life verse for me. It's helped un- unstick me a number of times. Ecclesiastes 11:4. If you wait for the perfect conditions, you'll never do anything. By the way, girls, that's also the case for a husband. <laughs> if you wait for the perfect one, it's hard to find. <laughs> it's been telling one of my sons that, but for a wife. <laughs> As we begin moving every member of mission, you may even think it's so big, it seems so overwhelming. If you've ever felt that, I don't know where to start, it's so big, just remember this response here that Jesus gave. Humanly speaking, sometimes it seems impossible. But with God, everything is possible. We must let the size of our God determine the dreams and the visions that we have, not the smallness of our faith. God can do a lot of things, small faith in a big God. Small faith in the big God. It's not our own ability. Now because God wants you to make a difference in your life and through your life, he wants to do that so you can experience his power. Notice this here. In 2 Chronicles 16, the eyes of the Lord search back and forth across the whole earth, looking for people whose hearts are perfect towards him, so that he can show his great power in helping them. So here's my advice, whenever you start to fear or worry or doubt about anything, remember this truth, God has got the whole world in his hands, and long before you existed, God planned that you and I would be part of his plan in this earth and God is always looking for a group of people who would say I'm available okay I'm in before you were born God chose you now you have got to choose God when God finds a person who says yes yes God you chose me, now I'm choosing you. He says, this is what I'm going to do back to you. This is the reward part, third part. What are the blessings and benefits of making a difference with your life? The truth is God rewards you every time you help somebody else out in faith and love. God will bless you. Look at this here. When you happen on someone who's in trouble, man, you did not have to look two inches to find that. Start with your neighbours. guarantee you one of them's in the cactus. Guarantee it. When you happen to someone who's in trouble or needs help, don't look the other way. pretending I didn't see that. Don't keep a tight grip on your purse. Give freely and spontaneously. That can be of your time. Don't have a stingy heart. The way you handle matters like this triggers God's blessing in everything you do and all your work ventures and ventures. He says, I want you to care about the people that I care about. That's reasonable. And who are they? Who does God care about? Let's get specific. The hurting. Who's hurting at work? The helpless people who through no fault of their own have had their legs taken out under them. We had some of those people live with us when I was living at my mum's place. Maybe it's a homeless. Do you know, do you understand the situation in the homelessness these days? As people can't afford to plonk down 200 grand for a deposit. You get 25 people in a house. Sometimes as many as seven or eight in a room. And it's not a room probably your size. The Bible says, lend him a helping hand. When I see you do that, I'm going to bless you. What a promise. Then, secondly, God will help you. He says, be generous and you will be prosperous. Help others and you will be helped. Start helping someone else because God has interestingly wired the universe to reward unselfishness in his kingdom. Thirdly, you bring joy to God. Don't forget to help others. I just sense right now that that's what the Spirit of God is saying to us. Don't forget to help others. This is not a race to the end and he who wins with the most toys wins. No, he dies and he has the greatest loss. Don't forget to help others and share positions with them. This too is like an offering of a sacrifice that pleasing that is, uh, excuse me, that pleases God. So God smiles when you unselfishly serve. Many of you, as we've had disasters in Samara and the Philippines and others, have given generously. Some of you may be in a position to go next time for a period of time. Some of you may not be able to go, but you may want to help sponsor some people are here that you know have got the skills and need to go. Maybe they've got the availability. So, three, you bring joy to God. Four, you experience life as God had intended. This is where it gets after this verse that's bothered many of you. Mark 8:35. Only those who throw away their life, lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news, will ever know what it means to really live. See, it's very unselfish. It's like Ben said this morning. Less of me, more of him. Will you? Here's my challenge to you. Will you let God use you to make a difference in this world? Will you let him? Or are you just going to sit by and let history happen, his story? If you do let him use you, He says he will reward you for eternity, forever and ever. Number five is you will be rewarded. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. Imagine that scene. You are standing before the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of all that we see and what we don't see. And he looks down at you and says, well done, you got it. You didn't waste your life on trivial, pathetic pursuits, which will never count for anything in the long run. Superficial, shallow fads that didn't really matter, but you gave your life to serve me by serving other people. You got it. You had clear thinking. See, ideas have implications. Good ideas have great implications. Bad ideas have doggone awful implications. You gave your life. You actively resisted living a selfish life, which is contrary to all that I am, And you made a difference. You made the world a better place because of you. And you learned to love your neighbor. You gave your life away. You relaxed your grip. And you trusted me. Now come, enjoy the rewards for eternity. Now with all of my heart, I want that for you. You know, in the days ahead, we're going to look at details. Today, the first step that every single person here can do today is to start showing kindness to everyone. Be intentional about it. Think of helping others first. Where's the scriptural basis for that? Here it is here, 1 Thessalonians 5.15. Always aim to show kindness and to seek to do good to one another and to everybody. That's pretty embracing. Maybe it's, and I noticed this, I guess it's because I was back in California a little while ago. I couldn't believe how courteous people were there opening the door For people. Here, Kiwis just bards through and tough luck who's behind you. (laughs) But just small things like that. Whoa, what's this? Maybe it's letting another person, not when you're hustling for that car park. Maybe it's helping an aged person that's lonely. How about your own (coughs) mum? Calling her. Your own dad. But don't just, please do not limit this just to your own family. Because the Bible says, even the crooks do that. Jesus said that, not me. Maybe it's next time we have a relief effort. You go, yep, I'm not just thinking about us. We'll do differently. second step you could do is just sign up for a small group so that this week, you can learn how to apply this in your own life with a team because it's always better together. Would you bow your heads with me and as we close in prayer. I invite you to pray this prayer in your heart. Would you say, dear God, I really want you to use my life to make a difference in this world. I don't know, how are you going to do it, Lord? I haven't got the foggiest notion but I want to tell you I'm in I definitely do not want to live a self-centered shallow selfish life I do want to be an instrument of your love and peace in this world would you teach me to love my neighbor as myself Lord, you've blessed me so much and I clearly see and know deep in my heart I want to be a blessing to others. I know that my responsibility is greater because of the way that you've blessed me. Holy Spirit, would you grant me boldness and courage to move against my fear? As I reach out, to move myself from being a member of your family to being a missionary and an ambassador for you. Today, I commit myself to being part of the series and showing up at a small group to participate in a small group and to talk about how we're going to apply this as a small group and individually. Please use it all in my life to make me what you want me to be. Help me to start today by showing kindness to everybody. I think of those folks at work, Lord, that I'm going to see tomorrow. Help me be sensitive to what's going on. Thank you for letting me be part of this plan for your church at this time in history. In your powerful and precious name, I pray. And everybody said, Amen.